0: Welcome back, everybody, to some MotoGP talk here with The Race. A new season, the 20th season of MotoGP since its inception back in 2002. We've been through 990s, 800s, and of course, we're in the current era of 1000cc MotoGP bikes. And they are getting just quicker and quicker. They are 158 kilograms, knocking on towards 300 brake horsepower and a huge heap of that all-important talk. It's seen lap times collapse to the tune of, say, six seconds around the circuit of Catalonia over those 20 years. We've seen great battles, drama, and history made. And we've all got some favourite memories from the years past. It's also hard to think that Valentino Rossi has been racing in every one of those seasons, isn't it? But he's all lined up to start a 19 race 2021 season that we've got in front of us. And myself, Toby Moody and Simon Patterson are here to talk about not the past, but the future and what a 2021 season holds. It's as if this is going to be our Christmas wish list, not for 2021, but actually for 2020. Uh, Simon joins me now. Let's start right at the top, shall we? because maybe he's not at the top. The Marquez return. Has
1: the Mudder GP year gone been better without him? Yeah. Um, I think arguably it has been. Uh, Don't get me wrong. I would have loved to have seen him in the middle of it. I'd have loved to have seen him involved in the craziness to see what influencing factor he would have had on it. I don't think like a lot of people, that he would have, by any stretch of the imagination, ran away with the championship like he has in previous years because of of just all the carnage we saw all year long. But it's hard to argue that it wouldn't have been better to have him in the middle of it. So therefore, part of the wish list number one
0: is... Is the playing field still going to be open, even if Marquez returns for the 19 races that we've got in front of us? What's your take?
1: So I'm I'm going to throw someone else's take at you who's older and wiser and more experienced than me, because that's always the safest thing to do. Uh, I spoke back in November to Kevin Schwantz about exactly this. And Kevin told me that every time he got injured, every time he took a month off, it took him two months to come back again. Once he from, from getting on the bike to being his old self. Mark has now been out of the out of action for ooh uh 10 months, something like that. We're gonna see him out of action for, for roughly that by the time he gets back. It's gonna take him a long, long time to be the old Mark Marquez again. The good thing is that hopefully he comes back. He's still super fast, he can still be in the mix with everyone. And it's actually going to make things really, really interesting because he's going to be a little bit closer to the level of everyone else. And, you know, he at that, at that point, instead of becoming the guy that you assume is going to win the championship, he becomes another one of that list of nine names that can win the title.
0: It's bizarre, isn't it? Because you want somebody to come back who's the incredible genius and in what he can do on a motorcycle, bending the thing double mid-corner at 100 and hell of a lot miles an hour. We want him back, but actually we don't want him back because we had, as you say, nine different Grand Prix winners over 14 races, five of whom were first time victors last year.
1: So we're all a bit kind of don't whisper it betwixt, aren't we? The the other question is, of course, (laughs) is he going to come back and discover, you know, maybe he does come back at the level he left at and just discover that everyone else is caught up. Because we've seen all these new winners who've now got a huge boost of confidence because they can realize they've realized that they can win races without Mark Marquez, and maybe they just find that that carries on, and and the field is closer than ever because of that. So, I I really want to see him back, but I think he ain't going to have it as easy as he used to, and that's only good news for those of us that get to watch it. Exactly,
0: exactly. Yes, there'll be of course those. 35, 40 people in orange with HRC on their shirts who want to see him back ASAP. Uh, Quick update on where he's at. We've seen some pictures with him training, but only really with one arm. The other arm is all braced up with a Velcro and and, an external kind of fixator stuff. What else have you heard from your other contacts around Europe?
1: Pretty much exactly what we thought. Uh, we know he had that surgery at the start of December. We know that he had an infection in the bone that some spend an awful lot of time in hospital uh, on IV antibiotics to try and defeat it. We knew back then that it would be three months before he'd be able to use the arm and another three months before he'd be able to start riding a bike again because of all the physio and everything that's taken. Uh, he has now been, what, two months since that surgery. So hopefully in another month's time we you know we see pictures of him without that that weird iron man carbon fiber cast on it we see him back riding a motorbike and then we can kind of judge from there when we're going to see him on a MotoGP bike it won't be for the start of the season though that's for sure
0: no, 19 races, two of which will start the season off in Qatar. That's news that you may or may not have heard, everybody, that's that's come to light in the last week, 10 days or so. Uh, there'll be a pre-season test at Qatar, and then essentially the teams are going to stay there for, what, three weeks, three and a bit weeks to get the job done. Um, Malaysia is up in, well, it's been cancelled at the moment, that pre-season test, so... Uh, I think it's the old adage that I've been using since this pandemic came to light nearly a year ago is we've just got to take it week by week and even fortnight by fortnight. We can't look any further into the future than that. But at least Dorner have proved that they could put a championship on. They put those 14 races on. Every race was a winner last year. So the the template is there, the base plate is there for uh, for a season ahead. So that's that's our kind of wish is we want Marquez back, but we don't want him to run away. I suppose is the uh, is the thing. Great stat about uh, about Kevin Schwantz: a week a a month away is two months to get back. I use that when taking machinery apart. It takes four (laughs) times longer, four times longer to rebuild it than it does to take it apart. Um, (laughs) When I'm over there in the garage. Uh, So therefore. Uh, the wish list is, I suppose, for many people, that Suzuki can continue their winning ways. But the question is, for for Joanne Mir and Suzuki, can they? Since we last spoke, David Abrevio shock news coming that he's left MotoGP, he's gone to the Renault Formula One team, going to be rebranded as Alpine, and he's going to be their sort of team manager, not quite team principal, but team manager, sporting director, doesn't matter what it says on the business card, he's gone. Um, did he know before the end of the MotoGP season last year? Nobody knows, maybe he didn't, I don't know, maybe you know more, but he's he's taken on a big big thing to chew, but that's that's another discussion. The thing that we've got to discuss is, can Suzuki
1: defend without Brivio? I think they can. Uh, Brivio has done excellent work building that team. The team are very, very strong in all aspects. You know, there's no weakness in that team's structure. Um, so I think the fact that he has left that legacy there, the fact that he has already signed two riders Who are both race winners who are both championship contenders who one of whom is a champion they're both signed until the end of the 2022 season which is one less pressure for next year i would be very very surprised if that team doesn't just keep going the way that they've been going
0: Mm. Mm.
1: i think you know every everything is there everything all the pieces of the puzzle are already there especially with the development freeze that means there's nothing huge going to change on the bikes I think, um, yeah, i would be very surprised if uh, if things went massively awry at Suzuki in twenty one
0: yeah, the 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 wish list from my side is it's great to see the underdog because rightly or wrongly, and you know tell me off if otherwise. but I still look at them as a bit of an underdog and the way that they are and the way that they operate, which made MotoGP 2020 even more enjoyable because they were the underdog. You know, where was Mia in 2019 11th in the championship goes and wins it. I mean, what a leap. So yes, that's, uh, let's hope that they can uh, glue things together. Uh, The, 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 the Japanese influence, is very european it's going to stay that way are they going to replace brevio probably not they'll just keep it as it is so i think the only difference is with a bit of luck they've got some more sponsors on the side of the bank because they're the reigning world champions
1: so they'll have a bit more budget happy days well we already know that they do there's a, a big new green logo going on the side of the bank thanks to a lot of monster energy money well there you go there you go.
0: Uh, energy drinks are the cash
1: in the pot. There you go, exactly. Energy
0: drinks are the new tobacco. So uh, <laughs> and there was a lot of money with that flying around. So uh, so that that that's that's an interesting scenario. Um I actually hope that Brevio makes a makes a success of it because if he doesn't then people will look at his skill and what he's done over the through through MotoGP teams as maybe not worthless but people will look down and go oh well of course he couldn't do it in f1 yeah. so therefore he wasn't any good no 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 no. he exactly. was very good in a motor gp paddock and maybe we'll see him back one day who knows uh, it's a bit of a viper's nest he might be falling into because mm-hmm. the car's made in england and the engine is made outside of paris but they'll have to work that out he knew what he was taking on
1: And if there's one thing we know about David Brivio, it's that he's very, very good at gelling two very culturally different teams and making it work like he's done with the Japanese and European sides of Suzuki. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, Maybe maybe, uh, when all of this uh, pandemic is over and we're allowed out of lockdown in this part of the world, Simon and I go for a... A saturday lunch on famille in that part of the world which is only about 40 minutes away from here i might bump into david Abrevio because he's going to be living yeah. over near endstone so uh, we shall see we shall see okay i think uh, that's a special edition podcast waiting to happen uh, yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely yes dobby what is this english beer <laughs> <laughs> yes i think there'll be something along those lines um uh, wish list uh, from me uh, that, a, that a, a nicely aggressive, slightly angry Australian can can win on, on a red Ducati. I think there'll be not too many people disagreeing with that one. Over to you, Jack Miller.
1: Yeah, he he got very close at the end of last year on multiple occasions. Um, we know that Jack has the talent. We know that he has the raw aggression. He's been lacking a little bit of the consistency. And it almost seemed at the end of this year, like at the end of last year, sorry, at the end of 20, that he went a little bit the other way. He went a little bit too conservative towards the end of the year. And, you know, there was a couple of times, Morbidelli at Valencia, for example, where he wasn't quite the the guns blazing jack that we've known in the past. And he almost settled for a podium. Um, I think what that says to me is that he he still finds sure in the balance that he needs. Uh, he'll go and win his, obviously not his first race because he's already done that back in 16, but he'll win his, his first Ducati race, I think. And then things will click into peace. He'll have realized that he's figured it all out. And then we might even see a title challenge from him because he's got the capacity to do it. You know, it, it's worth remembering that Jack should have had a title challenge last season until you know, that series of mechanical problems Quaderaro's tear off lodging in the airbox of the bike stupid things if you give him back the points he lost in the two of those and he was right in the mix mm-hmm. very true very true yeah, yeah, and as you say, he's in the he's in the pomp of
0: his time. He's he, he's young enough. He's still young enough, but old enough to be wise in many other things. He's done nothing else all his life, like most of the youngsters. So he's got a bit of money. He'll have even more money coming in now. So yeah, you know, the whole feel good factor will be a whirlwind of confidence, and I can walk on water. As exactly. as, as full factory sportsmen can do yeah wonderful right that's my first three what, what's one of your wishes
1: okay so my my first one is a little bit you know, let's get it out of the way at the start because it's doom and gloom um i would quite like to have a championship where we leave europe very true because obviously that didn't happen at all last year um i'm already hearing some whispers about the opening two rounds in qatar about whether or not that will for sure happen. I know there's some meetings that have been going on this week from between Dorna and the, 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 the actually the Spanish team that run the LaSalle International Circuit out there. They're all ex-Hereath staff. There's been some video conferencing going on between them. Um, literally, while we're recording this, I've just got a, a text message from a MotoGP GP crew chief saying, What more have you heard about Qatar Test? Are we going for a month? Uh so you know, there's there's obviously question marks about it in the paddock, as
0: well. Um, and just to interrupt, just to interrupt. Only yesterday in Bahrain they went a notch up on their restrictions of restaurants closing and 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 people circulating around the country. So Bahrain, obviously, just yeah. over
1: the water from Qatar. So it's... yes, yeah. and 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 now since the last time we recorded a podcast back connected to Qatar because the blockade between. The various Emirates states in Qatar have been lifted, so there's no freedom of movement again and all that. Um, obviously, we've already seen America and Argentina postponed indefinitely, which, let's be honest, means cancelled because there's just not room in the calendar to have them later in the year. And you know the situation in Australia doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon. They're in complete lockdown. There's no way we're getting in there. When you look at what the the tennis players have had to recently go through in terms of quarantine, I just yeah I, I want to be optimistic, but I think it's very difficult at the minute to be too optimistic. No,
0: you're you're absolutely right, and, and you, you, we've seen what happened to to Alex Briggs. Never mind a, a friend of mine who's married to an Australian. He only just got a a, a a pass out to even go there. But my point is, everyone had to be in a hotel room for two weeks. A hotel, not the hotel, a hotel room. And we it I I find it beyond belief that we will be able to go. Uh they're very strict about it. So yeah. Um, but internationally, let's see. Uh they can only do what we do, and I'm gonna repeat what I said five, six minutes ago. We have to play it by ear and, and week by week and, and uh y- I've been involved in putting on some events in the UK last year and I'm doing the same this year. We can plan, but it's far easier to just postpone them and put them on hold
1: than try and rush them in two weeks. Exactly. Yeah. The the one good thing is that I'm fully of the belief that the European season will start as planned in mid-April. And at least if we can get all of the first lot of the European races done... We're not going to end up in that crazy circumstance that we ended last year in where we were doing three races in four weeks for three months, which just exhausted the paddock and and led to so many mistakes and crashes and errors and injuries and, and all of that. We're not going to have that again, which is, uh, hmm. I think, makes for a bit more normal of a championship on track. Hmm. Well, we
0: all want to get out of this, so let's... Um only do as we're told and we just got to sit tight haven't we so uh, i've been, i've been away Definitely. as you know i've been on the dakar and i've had my 10 days at home and it's now 2 weeks i have no need to go anywhere
1: well that's it i've got the bicycle set up in the turbo trainer and i do that for a few hours a day and yeah that's about it yeah simon what's another one of your wishes on your wish list for 21 i want to see what happens next at yamaha 2020 was a complete unmitigated disaster for yamaha they yet sure they won a few races but the the only rider that fought for the championship was the guy in the old bike that they didn't write didn't rate uh they got embroiled in a massive cheating scandal they saw their quite harsh
0: words if i could defend them
1: Yes and no. They did the wrong thing I, I, and tried think, to cover I think it cheating
0: up. cheating is oversized engines and sneaking an extra tire in and and, <laughs> and an extra liter of fuel. I think I'll I'll be I'll,
1: I want to be fair okay, with them. Okay, here. I'll dial it back a little bit. But they they did something <laughs> yeah. wrong and they got caught doing yeah. it. <laughs> they tried yeah. to get an advantage mechanically. Um, so you know, all of that was a complete disaster for them. Let's be honest. They. They saw their rider negotiations drag out all season with the whole thing with Rossi and Petronas. They had a a very public falling out with Jorge Lorenzo who managed to achieve absolutely nothing as their test rider through no fault of his, he would argue. So yeah, it was a bad year for Yamaha. But they've got a really exciting lineup for next year. Quarter hour joining the factory team is a really exciting thing. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do. And I just don't see how a team of Yamaha stature and with the people that they have involved could have another year that bad next year. And I think that's going to be quite entertaining to see because they have to come back stronger. They have to come back fighting.
0: They won seven races and they finished second in the championship. Was it an unmitigated disaster?
1: Yeah, because most of that was done by the guy on the old bike that they didn't really, you know,
0: if it had been a factory but rider... he's going to ride the same old bike again. Yeah,
1: for sure. But but that isn't how Japanese teams see things, is it? They're going to have a guy next year who's now starting the championship as their favorite rider on a two-year-old machine because of the development freeze. And uh, we, we don't go MotoGP racing. We don't spend millions in R&D to see the old bikes roll around faster, do we? So... Um, yeah. No, I totally
0: see where you're coming from, but they've done a deal and they are going to give him an older bike. So he's not he's not stealing it, he's not <laughs> thieving it from around the back of the bike sheds and oh look they won't notice. They are letting him do it. They probably started that process to try and get out of this hole by letting him have the older bike in uh, in Morbidelli's case we're obviously talking yes. about. And if it works for him, it works for him. I can't remember the the, the years, specific engine uh, numbers, flipping chassis numbers, whatever it was. But James Hunt used a McLaren for more than one season, and it rolled over, and it rolled over, and it rolled over, and it won him a championship. Mm-hmm. It just worked. Yes, it just worked. I know that's the mid seventies. I get that, but it just worked for him. And I know that we're in the third decade of the twenty first century, and it, it seems very strange to not have the latest iPhone or not have the <laughs> latest computer or whatever. But if it works, maybe this is the Nokia brick of MotoGP GP bikes that you really cannot, you, you know, the battery lasts for two weeks and you drop it in a frozen puddle in Scandinavia and it still works. I I don't know. Maybe maybe this is a, a weird freak of a bike and a
1: a hand in glove with the rider. I don't know. I nobody knows. I, I think I think it's it's the combination of rider, bike, and crew chief with uh, Ramon Fracada in the garage as well because it's worth remembering that whenever Rossi and Vinales had this bike in 2019 they struggled with it back then as well so i think it's it's a combination of circumstances and and maybe even a lack of development it's it's the ability to stop trying to make the bike better and just work with what you've got and maybe that's where the, the the secret to success is going to come next year from Yamaha, because that's what they're going to have to do because of the COVID development freeze. That's exactly what Burgess
0: and Rossi did when they got hold of the Yamaha at the beginning of 04. There was the range. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you, and I'm holding my hands up. Poor people listening to this podcast. They can't <laughs> see it. But the range of, uh, of, of adjustment on the swing arm, i.e. the wheelbase, how how far they put out the re- the rear wheel spindle was x burgess said well we don't need the right hand side and we don't need the left hand side i e the fore and the aft weld them all up just bring bring the parameters <laughs> to a lesser degree and then we can fine tune yes. it within the middle we won't ever have the wheel hanging out the back we won't ever have have it right at the front right up at the, uh, the underneath the seat so let's cut that out and stop us getting confused. And that's essentially what he did. They went all around the shop and went, that'll do. So maybe Focada, you've said it yourself, maybe Focada and Morbidelli and Petronas have done that. And it just works. It just hand in glove. Like Simon Crafar on a Red Bull 500cc Yamaha, he worked with Dunlops. That was his thing. You put him on Michelin's in 1999, he was... Poor Simon, he was just a shadow of himself, and it was heartbreaking to watch. Heartbreaking, he just didn't have that feel, but it did work for him on Dunlop's. Dunlop's didn't work for other people, no. Uh, you know, they had less ultimate grip, but they were progressive in the way that they let go of their grip. Michelin's were grip, 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 go, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> literally, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's a difficult one, but you're absolutely right coming to the top of the subject it will be fascinating to see how they turn it around and you know jarvis yamaha racing they've had a good run my oh my they've had a good run and everything comes to an end sooner or later and don't let them get too deep before they need to come back out i suppose is where they're at Mm -hmm, absolutely But it's going
1: to be interesting to see
0: oh my goodness me yeah 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 absolutely and how the how the mindset is of Quattararo and, and how he fits in. I don't think it's that much different. It's a change of clothes and a different garage and some yeah. different people around him. He'll have a bit more PR to do. Probably not much. Not and, much this year. It's a good time to, to become a factory writer. Yeah, get Casey back. He didn't want to do the PR. <laughs> so, um, so uh, yeah, there will be... Uh, be an interesting scenario as how, how that one shakes out. So you know, let's go to another garage. Let's go to to KTM. They won three Grand Prix last year, one with Binder, two with Miguel Oliveira, including that great victory at the end of the year in Portugal. Um, there's there's a lot of pressure on them. It would be great, my wish list, to see them nipping at the heels of those guys in front of them in the championship, being Ducati, Yamaha and suzuki they were fourth in the championship out of six they will want to be higher and when you go up you're gonna by definition be on the podium more and and win more races so more at the top great entertainment for us that's simple wish really
1: pretty much and i I think it's very very hard to assume that that's not going to happen next year because binder and Oliveira for me is the most exciting combination of riders in the championship uh, those two guys together with the relationship that they have, which is the ultimate love-hate teammate relationship. They're best friends off the bike. They hate each other on the bike. It's everything you could ever hope for in terms of entertainment and competitiveness. Uh, the addition of Danilo Petrucci to Tech 3, which is going to be, let's be completely honest, that is going to be comedy gold all season long. Because him and Harvey Pontreau will be an amazing double act on TV. We're going to take a lot of enjoyment out of that. And Andy Lacona, who kind of goes under the radar as the, the quiet man, the sort of teenager that ended up on a MotoGP bike at Tech 3, but is also very, very fast and was very, very fast last year until he kind of got cut off in his prime by his COVID disaster where he missed three rounds at the end of the year. So, yeah, I, I think KTM are not going to be very far away next year. They're going to be very exciting to see. And I'll eat my hat now if they don't win a couple of races each. Quite.
0: Yeah, me too. And I need a
1: hat because I haven't got any hair. Do we know what <laughs>
0: color those Tech 3s are going to be?
1: No idea. Mm. Uh, the, the latest I'd heard was that they were, if, if everything else failed, obviously after losing the, the Red Bull Organic sponsorship, the the last I'd heard was that they were going to be orange but not KT, red bull ktm orange they were going to be orange orange they were going to be full ktm branded ready to race no mention of red bull and let's be honest if they are they'll look spectacular yeah like an rc8
0: yeah, yeah
1: exactly yeah okay. I, i'd be happy with that yeah
0: yeah yeah uh, well it's that's brand building that's brand exactly. building and that's maybe
1: what... maybe we could we should drop a line to Hervey and just drop some hints because uh do you remember they used to have that rc8 livery that was mainly white with orange trims Yes, I read It was almost a,
0: a It was a pearlescent white. I rode one. Yeah, white.
1: let's let's have a white bike back in the MotoGP grid. It's been too long.
0: Now we got one with LCR. Yeah, no. I don't. I don't well, like. I don't like white bikes. No. no and I certainly don't the like. LCR, wh- I don't like white wheels. That's a sin.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> bearing in
1: mind that the OCR, one of the LCR bikes, is changing color next year this season, because from what I understand, the bike that was previously the. GV, Castrol, Flexbox, whatever colour scheme Lucho had sold this weekend for Cal will now be a Galicia. Ah, oh, that'll be a good livery. Hence, hence why Mark VDS have lost their Starla Galicia sponsorship in Moto2. Mm, well, that's interesting. But that's where the money's going.
0: And th- I'm thinking aloud here, it was with Carlos Sainz at McLaren, but he's gone to Ferrari and I very much doubt that he's taken it. I don't know. I stand to be corrected. He hasn't, as far
1: as I understand, he hasn't, and some more of the money pot's going to there as well.
0: So maybe there's been some budget moved around the office. Exactly, ah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. That'd be interesting. That'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah those um, that that white pearlescent RC8. I rode one of those. I'll tell you off mic what it was
1: like. <laughs> Oh, I'm fairly sure that means fast. Bloody hell, it
0: pull, <laughs> pulled your arms out, it did. That was years ago. Um, <laughs> right, uh, wish list. The show. It was always close. I just want the show. I think we've touched on it already, really. The fact that it's been an amazing statistical hits when i've told people over the off season how did motor gp do 14 races nine winners five of whom were first time winners and they go blimey nine different (laughs) winners um i think you know that the show is we've got 19 races scheduled if we have 14 i think we'll be doing well um i think we've touched on that already um i suppose coming back to not the number of races but what actually happens over a a grand prix and over a weekend is is how close it can be i touched on it when i opened with my my words about it you know MotoGP gp is now six seconds a lap faster around catalonia now than it was 19 years ago um that's a big chunk but then so they should be compared with a honda v5 and the the stuff we've got around at the moment, but it is close and the good old days are not necessarily the good old days. It's only going to get closer with the rules that that, that, that get tighter every year, more frustrating for engineers because they can't (laughs) find that 10th of a second leap. It's only maybe a hundredth, but it is still close. And that's what's so good about motor gp it's oh you know i've said it for 25 years 10 minute grid 40 minute race 10 minute podium hour it's brilliant it's the best hour in the fortnight
1: <laughs> i I'm, I'm gonna i'm just gonna plug myself here before we go any further because uh we published an article this week on the race about crt about how motor gp digged itself dug itself out of a, a very dark hole with crt whenever there was you know 12 factory bikes in the grid and everything looked doom and gloom for the future of the sport. And they brought in this weird open class that no one ever ever really wanted and how it was all production-based machines with R1 engines and custom frames, et cetera, et cetera. But whenever you look at the journey that we've taken from there to now, which is what the article does, uh, it explains everything. It shows you how we've managed to end up with what is just the most competitive series imaginable. You know, and I'd almost forgotten how sometimes we, we, when you live something so closely, you almost forget how incredible it is. Until I went back and started looking at stats some last year. You know, I'd forgotten that from second to seventh in the championship was separated by seven points after 14 races. You know, we, we just had this incredible year last year and it is fully down. You know, credit where it is due. It is down to Dorna and the rule book that they've written. It's just perfect.
0: Yeah, Erta uh, uh, FIM as well. I, I know where you're coming oh, from. Erta yeah, FIM yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah but uh, yeah. But yes, it it is. It is. A, there was a picture, and I forget which year, and I saw it from, from which year, but it was at Le Mans. And it was the bikes leaving the grid for the start of the race. And you look at it and you go, Is that it? Is that what yeah. we commentated yeah. on?
1: <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> There's a few of those in the feature. There's a few pictures yeah, like and, that. And you, you feature, just go, you Really? Just think- Where is everyone? everyone?
0: And I've forgotten how thin it was. But what I will never forget was leaving Valencia, last race of the year, Sunday evening. And I saw Mike Trimbiadurta bidding my farewells. Thank you for all the the, the help he'd given me throughout the year. And he said, all we've got to do He's get through the next couple of years let's just he didn't say fudge it he didn't use a word like that i can't remember the exact words but it was just let's just get through it mm-hmm. and we'll be yeah. all right and i had total yeah. faith in him there and then and i knew that it was just he, he can see the bigger picture he he's not a he can see the beyond the end of his nose he's not all about tomorrow and and it worked and it worked as you say yeah mm-hmm. well let, let's see how close it is again um Valentino Rossi, I mentioned that it's his 20th season in MotoGP, but actually it's his 22nd in the big class, 22nd season in the top class of mm, Grand Prix racing. He, he, He arrived at the beginning of 2000, which was a South African Grand Prix, I think. Crikey I think it was it was Ooh, Julian and I it was our question. first race uh, I think I think yes it was it was it was South Africa 2000 um yeah April 2000 that's a long time ago <laughs> there are people winning championships who are younger than that <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh, so and he however he last won a race back in June 2017. that was 59 Grand Prix ago. So the pressures on him and the wish list that he's got, and it is the unspoken amongst many other people around the world of MotoGP, whether or not they're they're fans watching on TV, whether or not they wear the yellow hats and the yellow shirts or just fans of the sport who want to see him win again. That's that's his wish. He wants
1: to get another win. Can he do it, though? I think the best thing that he could have done was sign for Petrino Shamaha. I, I think even if there hadn't been the whole thing with the factory team where they signed Quattararo and there wasn't room for him, I think going to the, fact, to the satellite team was still the best decision for him because we know that he just, we know that he loves racing motorbikes. We know that he doesn't want to do the whole PR thing and talking to a thousand people at the launch of, you know a new motorbike in Indonesia or flying to Vietnam to cut a cake or a ribbon. He doesn't want to do all that. He wants to go and ride a motorbike and be done with it. He's old enough that he knows better. And he's going to get to do that now. He's going to get to run the team to a large extent the way he wants because it's going to be his little corner of the garage with less input from Japan and more of a chance to just experiment and get a feel for things. He's got One of his best friends in the absolute world sitting on the other side of the garage in the shape of Franco Morbidelli. They are going to be thick as thieves next year in that garage. They're going to have a lot of fun doing it. It's a young team at Patronus who really enjoy relaxing, partying, bonding as a squad, having a laugh in the garage. He's going to feed off that. You know, we've seen arguably the best thing that's happened for him in the last five or six seasons was the academy was bringing all these young guys in to train with to have fun with to keep him young and he's kind of going into a team atmosphere that's getting rid of all the old sensible serious engineers are bringing in a bunch that are just like that it's a kind of bringing, so is his dilemma sorry simon it's kind of bringing how he trains to work even more
0: so is his dilemma if he doesn't want so much Japanese influence that he does want a new widget on the bike and they don't give it to him because he's the second string. Or will they hold something back because he's not Works Bike? That's the only little bit I worry about is what kind of bits is he going to get from the blue Monster Energy Yamaha Works team that can come across the
1: Patronus. What we've seen last year was that things tended to move quite quickly from the blue bikes to the turquoise bikes. Or the turquoise bike of um, you know, He signed that deal for last year that saw him become a, a factory supported rider. And they were fairly quick to to kind of incorporate him into it. In fact, by the end of the year, they were doing a little bit of what uh, Honda traditionally did with Crutchlow and Ducati have always done with both uh, Miller and Petrucci, where the top rider at the top satellite team gets bits before the factory does so that they can evaluate them in feedback and feedback and, and work that way. So I think Yamaha have learned the lesson from what other teams have done. They've seen how things work elsewhere and what what has been a success elsewhere. And they'll try and replicate the same and use Rossi as that sort of super tester role. Um, but even if they don't, you know, even if he gets a bike at the start of the year and it never changes for the rest of the season, you've got to think he's got to be looking at what Morbidelli and and uh, for Kata did last year, I think you know what? Maybe it's not a bad thing. Maybe I'll just get on with it, see what happens. Use Ramon and and Frankie. You know, lean on them because he he's got a crew chief. He's not hugely experienced, and and David Munoz after only one season in Yamaha. So if they can really bond together as a team, it maybe doesn't matter if he's not getting new parts for all the reasons we've already touched on. Yeah,
0: I agree. I agree. Mm, mm. Well, the proof in the pudding, we've touched it on it already, is, is Morbidelli did that with an old bike. Chop, chop, boys. Yeah. Pull your trousers up and get a move on. Where out of all of this is a Valentino Rossi MotoGP GP team going to be? Because that's a wish of many other people. Uh, Patronus SRT have got their empire, and it's a very good one. And there's only two... Satellite Yamahas going forward, Carmelo at Dawner is gonna want four factory bikes full stop, but not six, I suspect. So, where is the VR46 mother GP team gonna be? Uh, I mean, I think sure as the sun rises in the east, there's going to be <laughs> one.
1: But with which bike? Uh, realistically, there's four options. Um, which is quite big whenever there's only six manufacturers, I'm aware. Uh, he isn't going to KTM. They've signed up with Tech 3 and they're not they're happy with how that's going. He's not going to Honda. Lucia Ceconello has a good relationship with Honda and Rossi doesn't, as we well know.
0: <laughs> He's not going exactly. to
1: Honda. <laughs> End of, story. <laughs> End of story. story. We all
0: knew that back in 2003. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: he has there has been some very tentative approaches made to Aprilia. I know that people from VR46 and people from Noali have met and maybe even visited each other's homes to sort of get a lie of the land, but I don't think the Aprilia is there yet for him. I think he's going to want something a little bit more established. Uh, It's very interesting that he has dipped his toe in the water with Ducati this year. There will be a VR46 Ducati on the grid this year, which is kind of... Because of circumstance rather than because of a desire to run a Ducati with the the sort of half takeover of a Sponsorama's grid spot and whatever. But if Luca Marini is rookie of the year in 12 months time, will Rossi want to run two Ducatis the year after? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. So that's an option. Then there's the Yamaha option, of course. But the Yamaha option is currently taken by Patronus. Patronas have hinted that they're not the happiest people in the world with the Yamaha relationship. Um, And that Suzuki is an interesting offer. So I think we're going to see Patronas and Valentino Rossi run Suzuki's and Yamaha's in 2022 as satellite teams. I just... I don't know which one of them's going to have which right now.
0: Because
1: mm. the VR forty six Marini
0: Ducati thing that's going to be in twenty twenty one is, a, as you say, it's an a sponsorama kind of. Me- it's not a full. It's clear not a no. VR forty six. This is our train set. No,
1: exactly. It was a. It was a, a measure to solve the problem of Luca Marini needs a MotoGP seat, and a sponsorama always quite like some more money because they never have a lot. And it, you know, it, it worked. It's it's a, a a bodge together solution, but sometimes they're the best ones, eh?
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. We have seen Pol Espargaro at HRC, and from what we saw of that video of him meeting his new bike on the uh, on the patio outside his house in Andorra, he's bowled away, bowled over, even just to be in Repsol Honda kit. Uh, you you sort of imagine that he had Repsol Honda posters on his wall in his bedroom when he was growing up. Who can blame him? It goes all the way back to 1995 now when the first Repsol Honda uh, was on the grid and they're still there today. Um, he's got to win a race. Uh, I'd love to see him win a race because he's a new winner because unbelievably he still hasn't won a MotoGP race, but um, he's still got a big. Big hill to climb. That's their wish. That's his massive wish. My only worry is if he doesn't start winning, is he going to get in an ever-decreasing circle and a bit of a maelstrom in his mind that he'll override because he can do that. He is very
1: good at that. Let's be honest. My my worry is actually that is a concern. Yeah, that that he gets on the Honda, he discovers just how hard to ride the Honda is, and it it just leaves him completely lost. Um, is or
0: was with the new bike with the with the Post Misano September it's 2020 still, is it a bit still, less difficult
1: it's a bit less difficult but it's still you know th- there are still fundamental engine problems where it's just the most rider unfriendly beast of a thing on the grid my other concern for paul is almost the amount of the amount of excitement about being a repsol honda rider look what happened to danilo petrucci Danilo was the perfect underdog. He was great in a satellite team. He was great as a scrapper. He got to the Factory Ducati team. He won a race at, for, or at Mijello for them in front of a home crowd. And it was kind of like, this is it. I've peaked professionally and everything turned to dust. Yep. And I'd hate to see the yep. same thing happen to Paul. It's almost like there's so much hype has been put on becoming... A Repsol Honda rider, uh, there hasn't been an awful lot of attention put on what happens when you are a Repsol Honda rider.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Very true, yeah.
1: <laughs> Very true.
0: Yeah, that's a difficult one. I just, I could just... It's just the overriding kind of thing. I'm no motorcycle rider, nor are you, nor are most people listening to this podcast, to their level. But I just think if he doesn't win, you know, people have got it. Max Biaggi got on one. It didn't work. He'd been on a Honda, but when he and and ironically, he went better on the NSR 500 in '98, which was the two-stroke. He when he got on the rep, he got off the Camel uh, V5, and then he got on the Works V5,
1: and it didn't work. work.
0: Same as Lorenzo, it just didn't work for whatever reasons. We we can we can talk about that till the cows come home. But sometimes, be careful what you (laughs) wish for. (laughs) Exactly. Be careful what you. Re- I have an expression which is just don't be too greedy. Don't be too greedy yeah. because you might just fall on your face. <laughs> You've got to scratch the itch. Of course. He'd been at. He'd been at. He'd been at uh, KTM for now four seasons. The ultimate, I don't know, rubbing his nose in it was that he didn't win not only any one of the fourteen Grand Prix last year, but the one that he was bloody
1: leading until the last corner yep. at nor did he win any of ktm's three victories my point entirely yeah 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 yeah. particularly the one yeah yeah (laughs) yeah. yeah, of course yeah but i think yeah Yeah. if that had been the only one this year that they'd won you'd kind of let him away with it but the fact that the rookie yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and the race at the racetrack and oh dear Yeah. yeah never have you seen somebody so disappointed to be third. Oh, yeah, to
1: be on the podium. Oh, you
0: know. Yeah. You know, there we were four years ago. Third, we would, we'd still be drunk now. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. It's the old saying, isn't it? Second place is first yeah, loser. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Another wish from you. Uh, I want to see what Aprylia can do to get themselves out of the bit of the hole they find themselves in. Mm. Uh, 2020 started so well for Aprylia. They got that new bike at Sepang Test. The bike was so good at Sepang Test that Alicia Spigaro decided not to retire and signed a two-more-year deal with them because he wanted to ride that bike. It was really quick and testing. They had phenomenal one-lap pace, and then they, they sort of, they, they said all the way through test and they were quite honest about, we need time to develop this mechanically, the package is sound, but the electronics aren't there yet. We need to build strategies. We need to build control mechanisms, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then everything stopped for six months. And then we came back with a calendar that barely gave t- people time to sleep, <laughs> let alone to start developing electronic control strategies. And they just went nowhere. So, the potential is there. We know the potential is there. I just I really hope that they can deliver on it. I agree. I
0: agree. I've got a bit of a soft spot for them because they were in their pump when I arrived into the paddock in the mid-90s and they won championships. You know, it was the... The bike that Valentino started on and they were they had a great hospitality. They were all a bit relaxed. They were just <laughs> the ultimate yeah. Italians in those days. The ultimate, yeah, you know, it was all a bit, you know, it was great. I went to a few of their <laughs> bike launches. I went to one just along the coast from Genoa. And I went to another one in Venice with McWilliams. Uh, and his then manager who I spoke to the other day so uh yes that was a bit of fun but they they just they just did it old school they did it old school you know the the launch of the bike would be on a stage <laughs> in a slightly crumbling theater downtown and there would be no one of those electronic buds in your ears with a translator yeah. or whatever They would there would be two and a half hours of the local mayor going on about how <laughs> wonderful this town and city was or whatever but it was comedy it was great and I loved them for it I just loved and then, them and then they'd get you so full of good food and drink afterwards you'd forgive them all. I the couldn't sins. possibly comment yes <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't possibly comment but yeah it, they, 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 they did two things well <laughs> way to a journalist's heart <laughs> through his stomach yes <laughs> so <laughs> so, but no, they they had a fun way, and they had great people working there, and 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 friends to this day. But it would be great to see them back. And again, they're a bit of an underdog, and you know, it's a Latin yeah. bit
1: more of a Latin blood in yeah. the paddock. Well, I, arguably they're MotoGP's last underdog now. Yeah. So if that's not a reason to cheer for them a little bit, then I don't know what is. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. We shall see. We shall see. Okie dokie, um, another
1: another one from you. I have one last one for you. I want to see wild cards back. Couldn't agree more. There we go. Shortest <laughs> subject done. <laughs> I have missed having wild cards this se- last season. I feel we were robbed not getting to see Jorge Lorenzo riding a Yamaha again. I have missed the presence of Sovan Guntoli here and there, spicing things up in the Suzuki. And for 2021, I really, really want to see Cal Crutchler ride a Yamaha. So let's have the wild cards back.
0: Yes, easy. I took that as a political decision rather than a safety decision about, about COVID of less people in the paddock um, as the season went on. Don't react, Simon. There were more and more people who were not necessary to be in the paddock. So why couldn't we Agreed. let in another 20 people to run one bike or even less, should I say, to run another bike? for a Ginters and a Lorenzo. Um, I think with hindsight, if Lorenzo had been on it, it might not have been pretty. But...
1: Uh, I think if, if if we'd had a normal season and Lorenzo had been fit and able for it... Um. Obviously, the only time we saw him ride was that test in Portimao where he was like three seconds off the pace. But the guy's been on a diet for 16 years. Yamaha told him, we don't need you to ride again this year. And He did what we'd all do, put on a bit of a belly. Mm-hmm. So if he'd if he'd known that that wildcard was, ha- you know, if there'd been a date and he was told in three months time, you're going to ride the bike, you need to be super fit. I think it would have been a very different circumstance. We need more wildcards.
0: I, I, you know, I, I, yeah. my um third ever race. Norikabe won. Marlborough Team Roberts Yamaha doesn't get more good looking than that. Hair flapping out the back of the helmet with the <laughs> with the feathers and the Indian feathers across the top of his crash helmet and the blue and the oh just yeah. wonderful, you know. But only two years earlier he was a wild card at Suzuka. Oh with the, what was it? Mr. Donut bike or something. Yeah. Um, So that was just brilliant. Yes. Wildcard winning a race. Wildcards won superbike races regularly. Yeah. Into the late nineties. Neil Hodgson won at Donington. Into the, into the 2000s. Donington. Jakey uh,
1: did the double at Brands. Did the double at Brands. Reynolds won at Donington on the Rizla Suzuki. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that's great. It's a yeah. it's a it's a two fingers up to the corporateness. <laughs> keep it. Keep MotoGP a bit wacky and a bit different. Exactly. Dorner. Exactly. Don't be. Oh well, you know the teams are going to complain because it's not fair. Well, one of the teams is actually going to win because it'll be one of their bikes. Exactly. <laughs> it won't be somebody who's parachuted in from you know ABC Racing. So yeah, yeah. No, that, that's my favourite one. Good. That's my favourite one. Good one. Good one. I think that's a good one to to finish on. Um, we uh, thank you, Simon. Thank you at Denkmitz with uh, Simon's Twitter D E N K M I T. He'll have to explain it to you. We haven't got time. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, a podcast in itself. As <laughs> a podcast in itself. Uh, do keep in touch with our Twitter at We Are The Race with Motor GP coverage at the-race.com. And I think by the time everybody listens to this, Simon, we will have hit well over 200,000 podcast downloads since we started under a year ago. The website hasn't been running a year, so uh, people are very happy back at base, and that's the main thing. But from myself, Toby Moody, thank you so much. Do like and subscribe so that our podcasts will auto-download into your phone and you can listen to them anywhere, whether or not you're dog walking or painting the spare room during, during lockdown or Just escaping in the corner of a darkened room on a Saturday afternoon. You want to catch up with some murder GP. Thank you once more, Simon Patterson. In the meantime, from myself, Toby Moody, speak to you soon. Goodbye for now.